Hello and welcome to Learn With Us. This is Nikos. Today I'm with Devin Roth. How are you doing today, sir? Uh, excellent. Thanks for having me. So we met on GitHub. I needed a tool to record the audio that was coming through my Mac. And uh, Mac, Apple doesn't like you to do, doing that for whatever reason. So um, I had to find an external tool. Which works great. And that's what I'm using to record this podcast today. Awesome. So where, where, whereabouts are you calling from? Um, I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So oh, opposite nice. side of the world are you? The guy that encouraged me to start doing programming lives there um, back in the day. <clears throat> so you've got, you've got a wide variety of skills. I, I don't really associate someone who does professional level comp- music composing with a professional level software engineer. Yeah, it's a pretty rare combination I've found. It's kind of given me a, um, a good, different view in both of those aspects, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very few professional composers know how to program well, and very few programmers know how to compose well, although there's plenty of programmers that like to think they compose. Um, <laughs> But you know, um, all the all the top composers out there are, are pretty limited on their programming skills. So it's it's yeah, it's fun. So what came first? Um, oh, definitely music. Um, so I um, been doing music since I can remember, um, and uh, all through uh, grade schools and through high school. Um, did tons and tons and tons of music. So that was, that was kind of my first passion. I, I sort of found pr- um, programming a little bit later. Uh, so my first experience with programming uh, was when I was in high school. Uh, do you remember those uh, TI-83 graphing calculators? Uh, I, I don't know. What age are you? <laughs> like graphing calculators. Um, they, uh, you use them in math. In yeah, uh, yeah, I was... I, was, I, was, and, uh, I, I could never afford anything like that when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they were like a hundred bucks. I mean, for like maybe ten dollars worth of components. Um, but I, I learned how to program on those things. They had a, they had a TI Basic, um, their version of Basic on there. So I'd program games in my English class, and then get my buddies in in history class to test out my games. So that was my introduction to programming. Um, so after high school, I went off to music school out in Montreal at uh, McGill University, um, and. Uh, my interest in programming was still with me, and I ended up taking some uh, programming classes there too, so which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did masters in composition, and uh, they had a music tech program there. Um, this is out in Boston at New England Conservatory, and I took um, some music technology programs, um, and uh, one of the programs I covered was uh, uh, Max MSP, which um, are you familiar with Max MSP at all? Nope. Uh, it's a programming, it's sort of like a visual programming language for um, things like video and uh, music and stuff, mm-hmm. which was really neat and kind of got me into it a little bit more. Um, moved out to California. I lived in California for a while. Uh, yeah, started working in the film industry there. Um, uh, started 
uh, writing some virtual instruments and software for other composers down in LA. Um, so just kept on doing it, and uh, I'm really into. Um, I'm a big maker, so I do lots of Arduino stuff, um, uh, which is in in C plus plus, and um, yeah, just they've they've composing and programming really scratched the same itch for me, which is uh, creating and especially like creating something out of nothing is just I just love it. It just makes me so happy. So it's it seems a little bit like composing and programming are very yeah. different. Yeah. But fundamentally it's it's creating and I think that's truly where my passion lies. Yeah. Cool. So another thing I wasn't expecting was to look, you to look like action man. You got this uh really well-built figure and you're wearing this Captain America t-shirt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's all uh hello <laughs> you, you did any movies there as well um <clears throat> like acting yeah that... <laughs> no, yeah. No. <laughs> no not at all it's it's all it's all appearances i i yeah. ate way too much over the the christmas holiday i, I really need to get hit the gym <laughs> yeah cool man so can you just describe to what a virtual instrument is for people that are not familiar with music yeah, so there's there's plenty of different virtual instruments, and they kind of do different things. But uh, essentially, they're uh, software um, that are used to create uh, instrument sounds, um, and they can come in any. So there's there's virtual instruments of uh, violins and pianos and. Um, you you name it and then you know all synths and and audio plugins uh that create sound are essentially virtual instruments um a lot of the work that i did was uh sample based virtual instruments so we go in and record um uh, a piano maybe uh one of the ones that i worked on was uh for a, um, a horror film and so we wanted some really creepy piano sounds. So I went in and mic'd up the piano, um, uh, scraped the strings and plucked the strings, and created a whole bunch of really eerie sounds um, from the piano, just kind of edited them together. And uh, the, the software, there's a sampler software that I used, uh, Contact by Native Instruments. And you can, kinda, you, can, you can map the different sounds onto the keyboard and so when you play a certain key, it it, press, it does a certain sound. Um, and there's a lot of uh, sort of scripting and, and programming and um, interesting things behind the scenes that you can do to make uh, really cool virtual instruments. Um, so, yeah. Cool. And, and do you think that software virtual instruments, the ones that don't require, require samples, uh, people that are good enough now that people can't distinguish between that and the real thing? Um, yeah, I, I think... <coughs> There's so there's always going to be something to be said about a a real instrument in a room that you're never going to be able to capture with some sort of virtual instruments. Um, the rever reverberation in the room, the uh, interaction between all the different um, sonic elements in a room and with our ears that you're just never going to be able to capture with any type of virtual instrument or recording. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, there's some really, really well done virtual instruments. Um, uh, piano tech, they, they don't do sample 
virtual instruments, they use, it's all software synthesized. And so they, 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 um, they model a real piano um, using code. And they're able to generate audio that's really, really high quality. And you wouldn't necessarily be able to distinguish between a recording of a real piano mm -hmm. and a recording of their virtual piano. So in a sense, you can imagine that you could argue that software, that it's, music is created with software, could be better than live recordings because there's no middleman of like reverb and interaction with the, the sound in the room. Well, I, I, I think... I think what makes good audio or like if you're listening to a live recording um, where you have real people and real instruments, there is so much, um, so many variables that are coming into play. And I think it's the imperfections that make it sound very real. If it's too real it sounds fake right <laughs> does, does that make sense if yeah. it's if it's absolutely perfect it's it, it sounds fake um and i really think it, i what isn't it like don't they say something about diamonds how there's the the imperfections in the diamonds are what causes it to sparkle or something like that um, um it's the uh the different refractive indexes of different wavelengths within right. the the diamond material that Makes it makes it like that. Um, yeah, I did, I did physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember remember refraction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's <clears throat> definitely something to be said about the the imperfections of of uh, real instruments versus the virtual instruments. So yeah. So it was interesting. Uh, on you go, sorry. Oh no, nothing. Go ahead. So you you were saying that. Uh, you offered to give me your recording from your end and because Skype, I'm recording, I'm recording your audio through your program, Black Hole, and you say that the, the quality through Skype's not going to be as good as, because it compresses it. Yeah, so what, what Skype does, because they want to save on bandwidth, um, they compress the audio, especially when it comes to voice. Uh, uh, as human beings, we have really ingrained hard-coded into our brain to understand spoken word really really well and so you can actually degrade the quality of spoken audio quite significantly and still understand what it says um, and because Skype is trying to limit the bandwidth um, they do some pretty significant compression on Skype calls um, to save them money um, and so the the audio that I'm recording over here is going to be of way higher quality than the audio that you're going to get of me over there, simply because of the compression. Oh, interesting. So the next uh, 10 seconds that we talk, I'll leave the compression on, then I'll go back to the audio that you give me. Okay, yeah, that'll be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, cool one. So what, what made you, what motivated you to start um, the software black hole? What would you, you want to describe it? And yeah, sure. Well, I started, I kind of started down that road um, probably a year or two ago. Um, uh, because I do composing, um, I use a software program that, uh, so I, I, my, main, my main machine is a, a um, 
uh, uh, Apple Mac. Switching back to and, your Arduino. <laughs> uh, an Apple. Um, so I'm using uh, Mac OS. And I'm running, uh, I use Cubase uh, for my composing. So I have MIDI instruments. So I have my, all my virtual instruments. So they all, you send MIDI to virtual instruments and then they, they process the MIDI and send audio back. Um, but because I have tons and tons of virtual instruments, I actually have a second machine, um, uh, which is a Windows machine that I built that has uh, 64 uh, gigabytes of RAM. Uh, so I can host all these virtual instruments that I have. And so I'm essentially just offloading the processing of all my virtual instruments onto my <coughs> slave machine, my Windows machine, um, which takes, so it sends MIDI over there, um, processes all that virtual instrument stuff, and sends audio back to my machine, that okay. my Mac machine, which I can record. Um, and I've been looking at different... So the the software that I currently use is called uh, Vienna Ensemble Pro, um, which does that process. It sends the MIDI over there and uh, sends the audio back. Um, but I wanted to f do something a little bit different where I could... Um, Vienna Ensemble Pro works as a plug-in in my digital audio workstation, or DAW. Um, and it kind of takes up a lot of... Um, processing power um i wanted to kind of find a different solution where i can send uh, midi over and send audio back um and so i was looking at uh, soundflower which i've used before in the past um and i was like hey maybe i can sort of modify soundflower to do what i want it to do and kind of looking in the source code and in messing around with it it um is really based off an old api um that that Apple's discouraging now. It's a kernel extension. Um, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so what are, what are they encouraging people to do? So it's really the audio drivers are really shifting towards uh, these user space um, drivers. Um, and uh, so I did a bunch of research on that and I uh, was just sort of playing around with it um, and managed to... Uh, make a better version of uh, Soundflower. And uh, so I, I, I kind of had it in the back burner for a while and revisited back um, this last, you know, in September, I think. And I was like, hey, um, this is actually working out really well. Um, so I posted online and uh, um, it, it kind of at the same time, uh, um, Mac OS went to uh, Catalina um, basically knocked out all support for uh, Soundflower, if I remember. Um, so it's it's uh, really kind of taken that, taken, yeah, Black Hole has kind of just taken up the the void that uh, Soundflower's left. Yeah, and uh, I started using it this week, actually, because, like, the one I was using, which shall remain nameless, was giving me horrible audio feedback. And if you hear some of my earlier podcasts, the last maybe two or three months, where it's, it's been giving me some dodgy podcast recording so I had enough of that <laughs> I, was, I was actually tempted to go out and buy like the odd the road podcaster thing which is like 500 pounds but then it's like oh, wow. I don't need to carry that around with me versus just having my Mac you know so this has really helped me a lot oh yeah well, you're welcome yeah 
So if you go to, um, I'll leave it in the show notes, it's, um, first of all, David Roth's website is David Roth. David. Devin Roth. Devin, sorry. <laughs> it's, That's it's, right. it's early in the morning for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm drinking green tea and I had a bit of a late night last night. So uh, DevinRothMusic.com and uh, I'll also, also his GitHub repository is, uh, is uh, GitHub, it's called Extensional existential audio forward slash black hole so uh, how does uh, what's it written in this software oh, sorry say that again what, what did you code this uh, project in um yeah this is uh it's all in C um the uh I was really tossing up between um doing it in C++ or C when it comes to really low level audio stuff you don't want to use um, higher level languages uh, uh, objective C just causes a whole lot of problems with audio errors so I imagine a lot of the the um, audio errors that people get are because it was probably coded in objective C can't remember the exact reason but it has to do something with the interrupts that um in uh, there's certain interrupts that end up happening in objective c and if you program it in a um in in c it doesn't allow that to happen and so you just get better quality audio um and it seems to be the case it's uh um definitely something i i tried i tried doing some uh, audio programming um, uh, in Objective C and Swift and uh, versus in uh, C and just way better results in C. So, so I'm looking at blackhole.c and that's uh, three, three, four thousand lines of code. I guess that's the heart of your uh, your app there. Blackhole forward slash blackhole.c file. Mm-hmm. So, that's that's like that's like I guess where the uh, the meat of the, the application is there. Yeah. So most of this is sort of boilerplate. Like there's just a lot of um, just code stuff that you need to make the driver workable. Um, yeah. uh, the the real meat and the potatoes happens in uh, kind of uh, sorry it's it's a long file uh, kind of down at the bottom uh, if you want to take a closer look um let's see where are the so um hold on let me yeah uh if you if you go to black hole uh do io operation and what so that's uh, uh what what black hole yeah uh yeah the the function is uh black hole do io operation that's black hole dot c yeah what, yeah what, near what, the near the bottom what line is that uh three thousand eight hundred and forty two <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad my scroll bar works here my, my scrolling works three thousand eight hundred and forty two black hole do io operation okay. Yeah, so so most of everything just sort of happens in here. So the DoIO operation takes um, uh, so any apps that uh, audio apps that are writing to uh, the audio driver 
um, are going to um, be calling this function essentially. So the way the way that audio works on 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 Mac OS is you have the hardware extraction layer, um, abstraction layer, um, and that sort of acts as the middleman between audio applications and the driver itself. Right. And um, so. Um, uh, the HAL, H-A-L, I don't know if that's actually how <laughs> the people just actually call it HAL, uh, it, will, it will load the driver and call these functions um, when there's audio that needs, that's being written back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and then it'll subsequently call, um, there's a callback for uh, any audio application saying, hey, the audio buffer needs audio data, um, and then when that application fills it, then it basically forwards it to the driver. Um, that says, "Here's the the audio data. Um, do your do what you need to do with the audio data." So the, basically, um, the, the, the Mac OS takes the stuff from the driver and routes it to whatever output the user has in the computer. So that, that what happens? Uh, yeah, exactly. So what I'm what I'm doing is uh, whenever there's uh, so you have a setup right now. Um, uh, you have Skype, um, so you're sending the audio that's coming through Skype <coughs> through back black hole, and then you're recording that. Yeah. So the audio's Skype um, is connected to black hole uh, through the hardware extraction ex ab abstraction layer, and that there's going to be a buffer of audio coming through the internet, um, and it's going to copy it to the audio buffer and then black hole is going to take that and what I'm doing is I'm copying that essentially back into the the from the input of black hole I'm copying it to the output of black hole um, uh, that's that's basically how it works in a nutshell so this this uh, how long did it take you to figure out how to write this stuff because this is really niche code oh, yeah so turns out driver development is a real pain um, <laughs> uh, so in order to to develop this um, every time you want to test the code you have to load it in um, <laughs> you have to load in the driver um, the only real way that I can get debug it is through printing stuff to the um, the console. <laughs> Dang man, that sounds so horrible. It's, it's so yeah. It's a really kind of slow iteration process. Um, and if you look at the code, it's not necessarily super legible. Um, we it turns out we've become a lot better at writing code um, since the time that people wrote the the API for. <laughs> I can't, I, can't make, I can't make head or tail. It's quite like looking at the the matrix green text flung in the screen to me right now. Uh, yeah. So it was there was. Uh, you know, it was a real trial and error when I was first uh, digging around through this. Um, like, why isn't this working? And it's, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a real pain. Um, I don't, I don't know what to say. It, it's if you if you want to get into this stuff, you have to just have a thick skin, I think, yeah. and uh, just be willing to keep digging at it and trying and. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna <coughs> keep um, keep failing. One one of the real benefits though of these uh, user space drivers is versus like other stuff, this can't crash your computer. the The worst thing that 
black hole could potentially do is crash um, core audio, which immediately reboots. Um, yeah, that so happens, it, it happens a lot with it, um, other drivers in GarageBand. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, one of one of the good things though is it doesn't like kill your entire computer, right? Um, <laughs> having yeah. to restart your computer, like if you're doing kernel extension stuff, um, you have to restart your computer a lot, oh, right. uh, just because of that. Uh, so it's a little bit faster than that level of it. But it's, it's still like, you know, build the driver, copy it over to the correct folder, then I have to run the uh, kill core audio so I can load up the driver, and then kind of watch the, um, the console to see if everything's working properly, then, you know, test it. You know, it takes maybe five minutes to, like, test one little thing <laughs> from the time you build it, right? So yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's really annoying. It's um, popular. And the got... other the other problem with this is like there's not a whole lot of documentation, unfortunately. Um, and so I'm I'm you know to figure what stuff means, you got to go into the headers and read <laughs> read everything and figure out why the heck this one thing isn't working. Um, there was one there was one thing I was trying to do and I was like, why is it not working? I ended up going to the header and it says, do not use it. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. Um, it would have been nice if it told me what to do properly. <coughs> what, what um, was that? But what? it did it. Uh, I think I had to find that in a different header file. What um, was that yeah, header was file just, doing? <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, just, just a real pain. So, yeah. Um, audio driver stuff is... Um, just not not simple to do which is probably why um there isn't a whole lot of stuff that's done with it um but i think once you kind of figure it out like it makes sense i mean fundamentally it's not any different than what i said there's the um copying the uh copying the data from the drivers or sorry from the um copying the data from the um uh buffers that's kind of all you're doing. And then if you want to do any sort of uh, messing around with it, um, yeah, I think I can, I'm doing some volume thing, um, but I'm not doing a whole lot. Um, I, one of the things I wanted to make sure I was doing what uh, I didn't want to do a whole lot because I was really interested in performance with this first and foremost. So, yeah. So why did you um, use 16 channels? The other ones that I've used have two channels to input and output well i um i mean to be fair i, I made this for myself yeah <laughs> and um like I, I have tons of virtual instruments that i use and uh um uh 16 is like sort of minimum um i uh, this is configurable like the, by default it's built for 16 um but you can configure it I've even tested up to 512 channels, um, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and it seems to be working pretty fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, most people probably only need two. Um, um, I do have plans to uh, develop a utility uh, thing that you can use to quickly change the number of channels that you need, maybe shut it off and on, maybe f do a few other things. Um, that's sort of 
in the plan whenever that ends up happening. Um, but 16, I don't know, it just seemed like a reasonable amount. Um, I've had more than a few requests. Hey, can you send me like a 64 channel one? Um, <laughs> I, I, I have I have pretty good instructions on how to build a custom one if you want. Um, but if you if you you know if you're not good with uh, building your own code, like I I I I'm gonna have a utility out there at some point. Um, yeah. So. So this is like software that you almost like need, normally need a team and company to pr produce, but you just sort of whacked it out in your uh, spare time. It seems it seems it's like. Uh yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, <coughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just got lucky. Um, uh, you know, audio, music, all this stuff is kind of my passion. So it's just something I kept on plunking away at until it uh, ended up working the way I wanted it to. Um, yeah. Uh, it'd be good to have you on other podcasts as well. Talk about your music if you like. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So you're you're um, you've got this quite an impressive list of uh, productions I see as well on um, Netflix's Troll Hunters and uh, I don't know what a lot of the other stuff is. What's Guillermo del Toro? Oh, that's that's Troll Hunters, right? Okay. And um, Elf. Elf music has been quite well done. Yeah, well, you know, um, I guess when I moved to L.A., um, I was just kind of fortunate to meet some really great people that uh, took me out under their wing, um, which is really cool. Um, and uh, so, so kind of a shout out to Tim Davies. He's he's one of the top uh, orchestrators down in Hollywood. And uh, um I kind of met him and he sort of took me under his wing and has uh, really, um, you know, it's given me a, uh, a lot of opportunities, which has been really cool. And uh, uh, so kind of through him, I've met a lot of other people and um, yeah, I just kind of worked on some really, really cool projects. Uh, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> uh, so s I, I also programmed this, this, uh, uh, um, what's the word? It's a framework uh, for. It's called Swift OSC, um, and uh, I, I, you, you'll probably put the uh, link up. But just uh, GitHub.com extensional audio slash Swift OSC um, OSC. Um, and what what OSC is? It's Open Sound Control, and uh, it's just basically a communication protocol. Um, uh, it was designed to be sort of an open way to uh i think initially it was supposed to be an open way to communicate instrument data so remember we were talking about midi and how um we use midi to send uh data to virtual instruments and the virtual instruments process it um uh this was i think intended to be sort of similar um MIDI is, in my opinion, um, although the, the powers that be might disagree with me, but uh, MIDI is is a very outdated spec that's 7-bit, um, which is because it was developed in the 80s. 
Um, and open sound control is more like, it's not necessarily a replacement, but just sort of maybe like an alternative to that with higher resolution and more flexibility. It's sort of based off of, um, the URL, uh, URL format in terms of how it works. So you send, you can send a message to your virtual instrument and you could be, it, it could be, you could, you can name it like, uh, violin one slash um, dynamics and then you can send a certain dynamic to it um, so there's a number of different different types so I developed this it's uh, uh, in the Swift language um, uh, which I really 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 enjoy the Swift language um, have, have you done anything in Swift no I've done stuff in react native but not not the uh, native Swift stuff um, so yeah, Swift, Swift is a pretty nice language. It has, um, uh, pretty good speed compared to, um, other programs like, or sort of languages like, uh, C++. Um, uh, but it's, 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 it's a lot more modern, so it's a lot more readable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just a, a f- sorry, go ahead. That's important readability. <laughs> Yeah, unlike that C stuff that we were talking about earlier. Oh, damn me, man. <laughs> uh, so it's it's just it's just a, a thing that um, uh, a lot of times uh, as composer I'll have like an iPad, and on my iPad I have a whole bunch of different buttons that will change maybe the the different sounds of the virtual instruments that I'm doing, and so I can send that message to my computer using Open Sound Control and control those virtual virtual instruments that way, which is really cool. Um, and so, so, so I just so made MIDI, a, basi- MIDI basically gives you the the note that's been played and the volume or the how hard it is that that's pretty much all information it can be passed along. Sorry, you, you kind of cut out there for a little. Uh, really so um, M- MIDI that gives you the note that's been played and the volume, but not not much else. Right. There's there's a few things, but um, one of the, I think, main downsides to me is, one is the the resolution of it. Uh, MIDI is only 7-bit, um, yeah. so you can go from 0 to 127, um, which is pretty rough. Um, uh, and the other thing is, like, it's also not readable. Uh, so <laughs> MIDI, MIDI data is, is, like, you have to look up what uh, certain MIDI codes are, because you don't have a clue unless you memorize them. Um, <laughs> this will allow you to see exactly what it is, um, which is really nice. Um, so what are the chances um, of that becoming like a standard? Um, of this? So the thing with MIDI is it's, it's sort of the network effect. Um, every single um, DAW supports MIDI and there's tons of um, controllers, keyboards, all these things, they support MIDI, and they have since the, the 80s, right? And yeah. so I don't think MIDI's ever going to go anywhere just because backwards compatibility. Um, yeah. No, nobody wants to get rid of their old MIDI stuff. Um, I don't know if it will... I, it's really kind of niche. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's no virtual instruments out there that you can actually control with open sound control. Um, Logic Pro has the has open sound control built in for controlling 
the mixer elements on it. So you can you can send send it open sound control commands to move faders up and down and and stuff like that. But um, just sort of at a rudimentary level, um, it's it's a really powerful framework. Um, and uh, I, I I didn't develop I didn't develop open sound control. It's it's yeah I was developed a while ago. Um, uh, but I do think it has potential. I would love to see it used more. So what um, does your library the... actually? Yeah. So what does your uh, library actually do for then? <laughs> it's it's just um, a simple sort of plug and play method. If you if you're planning on using Open Sound Control um, for certain things, I get people that uh, email me. I just got someone that emailed me recently said they developed an app that uh, allows them to control a lighting console, um, which is really cool. Wow. Um, so it seems like there's a lot more. Uh, it's more in the sort of the control side of it right now versus the the virtual instrument side of it but i'd love to see it in the virtual instrument side of it where you can send a message like um violin string one you know or bowing velocity or something like that it's stuff you wouldn't necessarily see from um uh you wouldn't see anything like that in midi so yeah so could you also control like um lighting lighting like this if you wanted to have music and then have like some kind of like information for how the stage looks like blue lights coming on in this direction and so oh that, yeah absolutely yeah it's i mean it's just a um protocol that uh it talks about like how to communicate the data and so you can you can configure it any way you want um so i i recently for Christmas, I took, uh, I made uh, uh, controllable Christmas tree lights, um, and so I used I used an Arduino and ran these uh, um, uh, LEDs on my tree and uh, developed an app with with uh, my library Swift Swift OSC and uh, someone had developed a uh, open sound control. Uh, library for Arduino, so I just downloaded that, put that on the Arduino, and then just built an app quickly on my phone so I can control my Christmas tree. Um, it was super fun. Wow. That could make a lot of people's life easier, or I guess make people, some people, well, like if sound is lighting, if people aren't aware of, it takes a lot of work to take an audio track and then it's basically you're composing lighting for the stage. And that is is a huge amount of work because you basically have to. It's almost let's just say composing new music, right? Because you're you're taking listen to the audio, and you're timing these lightings, lights to come on at certain points. If there was like a way for the music to actually describe. The um, certain things. I mean, it would be kind of hard to, to have it work for all all concerts or something like that. But there's potential there to to make the industry more efficient. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I, I think it's it just sort of uh, unfortunately open sound control suffers from like not enough users and not enough applications currently support it, and so it just doesn't get used as much. It's the network effect, right? Well, it's, it's, it's I think it's just that people that are professionals in this area are usually not good at one and the other, like software and like and just music is is like 
rare to have that combination. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Um, yeah, um, one one of the other things that I'm I'm really into is uh, procedurally generated music, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, yeah, really really cool. I, um, and it deals with that problem ex- exactly. Like composers aren't programmers, and programmers aren't composers, and uh, so you get you get procedurally generated music that sounds really bad um, because all the all the people that know how to program that stuff don't know music well enough to know how to program it to make good music um, so I've I've uh, done a, a few procedurally generated music things which I think have been really successful um, and uh, I got some sort of plans coming up to uh, uh, just tweaking around with uh, uh, wave function collapse. Do you, are you familiar with that? No. Okay. Uh, wave function collapse. So there's, it's just a way of uh, per, of uh, generating, um, I guess anything really. Um, and I was like, hey, I could totally apply this to music. Uh, it's it's sort of a, a subtractive method. So you would start with with all the possibilities, and then you you have certain. Um, uh, you have certain sort of limitations that you would put on it. So, um, in terms of like music, maybe uh, I want to generate a melody, and the melody can only move by steps or thirds. Um, and so, you know, you start with you start with every possible note, and then you say um, I want to set a certain note to this note, and then it just eliminates all the ones that are no longer possible. Um, and so you can end up creating some arguably good melodies uh, by using using this uh, sort of algorithm, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. And any more uh, things you want to share for audience before we um, pen, put our next podcast uh, recording time for the Influencers Cafe one? But we'll talk more about music for. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, let's see if there's anything other interesting that i got going on here um oh sure maybe a little little plug so i uh um kind of uh sort of a fun project learning experience for me um uh um i'm working on my uh first uh, iphone app um uh which is a metronome so it's audio audio related um and nice. uh, the reason the reason I picked a metronome was it's uh, supposed to be an easy project that I can kind of whip out and uh, uh, just kind of get get go through the process of uh, getting something up on the on the app store. Um, but uh, <laughs> it turns out when I do things, I want to do them right. <laughs> so I've <laughs> spent way too much time on this. Uh, yeah, it's, it'll be a fun project. Um, I just uh, it's going to be a super minimalist. Uh, metronome uh, that flashes the screen um, to the beat. That's basically it. But I uh, also included things like uh, uh, Siri shortcuts. So now my metronome is voice activated. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's kind of the the other thing that I have in the works. Um, I think that's yeah. You, got, you have any other uh, other uh, other questions or? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really ask too much because I, I mean, it's beyond my C and audio programming is like beyond my expertise of writing JavaScript. So <laughs> yeah, can, sure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my, mega mega props, man. Really impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, uh, having me on. This is this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, to be continued. Um, thanks very much, Devin. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a nice sleep, and I'll have another nice sleep before I get up again this morning because it's <laughs> six a.m. when we started. <laughs> so. Uh, um. Yeah, I'll send. Uh, I'll send you off this uh, audio that I recorded, and uh, we'll. You'll be able to compare the difference between the yeah. two. Yeah. Maybe I'll start asking my guests to th- to send me the audio again. Um. And uh, yeah. Okay, so I'll leave this in the show notes, my listener. Um. To the when when I do the other podcast, we'll go into depth with the music stuff uh, because I'm, I yeah, have a passion that. for music as well. And I also yeah. I'll link back, uh, yeah. I'll, so if listeners, you want to in a, a week or something like that, we'll have the other show done as well. So okay, okay. Listen to learn oh. with us, and that was Devin Roth, Ross, Roth, <laughs> and I am tired, <laughs> and uh, and we'll uh, yeah, see you guys later. <laughs>